Now, I know that the idea of glorifying playing through injuries doesn't exactly always lead us to the best of all possible places when it comes to sports, but something happened yesterday that I really do believe uh, should be noted and acknowledged, maybe looked at sideways a little bit, but still... Um, I hope you had a really good weekend. I hope you had a really good, healthy, and happy weekend. And I hope that you had a better weekend than Braden Shen. Um, I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch yesterday's Boston-St. Louis game, but Braden Shen had one. Um, early in the game, had his finger skated on. Okay, tape it up. Stay in the game. No problem. I'm guessing I'm over the worst of it. What are the odds that something else awful happens to me? How about standing in front of the net, uh, getting a high stick in the face from Dmitry Orlov while a Tory Krug, Krug slap shot hits me in the hand? Okay, that's just random luck. Two things in the same game. Actually, three things, a high stick and a shot as well. You know, I'm probably over the worst of it at this point. Uh, not so fast. If you think that we are summing up, we are still, folks, just adding up when it comes to Braden Shen on Sunday. Later in the game, Thomas Nosek uh, gets his stick up into Shen's face again and catches him around the nose, and he can now add that to his laundry list. Now, for some players, any one of those events would mean I'm getting to the warm towels, I'm out of here, specifically when you consider where the St. Louis Blues are and now they've officially been eliminated by losing yesterday's game uh, to the Boston Bruins. A lot of guys just would have said, you know what, uh, let's get to the shower early today, shall we? Not so Braden Shen puts up with all of these setbacks and puts up three assists on the board as well. Uh, St. Louis, unfortunately for them, although it was marching towards his conclusion anyhow, are eliminated from playoff contention officially uh, and lose the game 4-3 to three in a shootout. But Braden Shen, I mean, if anyone's earned the right to have a day off, take a little bit of time off, it's uh, it's Braden Shen. We probably shouldn't be surprised, though, whether it's Braden Shen, whether it's Luke Shen. Uh, that's just the way these guys are wired. Uh, a couple of other things from the weekend. Oh, actually, before we get there, and Elliot Friedman standing by from Hockey Night and 32 Thoughts, a couple of updates from the Montreal Canadiens this morning. Um, and they're not good, and it's been one of those seasons for the Montreal Canadiens, but Eric Engels brings up a point as well. Once you put them all together, it really is kind of stunning. Um, Alex Belzeal, uh, fractured leg, will miss the remainder of the season. That sucks. Sean Monahan, we haven't seen him in months, uh, underwent season-ending groin surgery. Uh, as the tweet points out, his season is done. Eric Engels, who covers the Montreal Canadiens for Sportsnet, tweets this out about 45 minutes ago. Uh, Belzeal and Monahan are the 8th and ninth Canadians that have their seasons ended prematurely due to injury. Listen to the list here. And I know technically Slavkovsky could come back, but we'll see. Um, David Savard, Caden Gooley, Arbor Jackai, Cole Caulfield, uh, the aforementioned Yuri Slavkovsky, Josh Anderson, and Christian Dvorak are the others. Seasons ended prematurely due to injury. I don't know that I've seen... We always follow the man games lost. I'm going to talk about Washington here in a second. I always follow the man games lost, but it has been a 
an awful season for the uh, Montreal Canadiens and the hospital bracelet. Now, if you watched any of the New York Rangers-Washington Capitals game over the weekend, you can see that this Washington Capitals bunch are a very frustrated group. And it's Ovechkin and it's LaViolette and to be Tom Wilson, it's everybody. You can just get the sense and you can get the feeling that this Washington Capitals group, and I guess maybe the beginning of the end for this season for the Caps, probably started sometime in January. Um, and we're not even really talking about them in the playoff race for, for a wild card at this point. Um, the frustration is really starting to boil over. Saw yesterday with the Washington Capitals game. There are just some teams that as the season winds on, the season keeps going, you can almost get the sense that they just want it to end. Like, just put this team out of their misery right now so they can get to the offseason, regroup, reload, get to next year. Now, the thing about the Capitals uh, that we've always known is they are not going to take a step back now at all. Uh, this is a team that's, uh, well, an individual on this team, uh, Alex Ovechkin, chasing a very significant record, and they're going to make sure that he gets it. Um, I've always said, imagine if... Imagine if Alex Ovechkin weren't chasing the Wayne Gretzky goals record right now. What would we be saying about the Washington Capitals? Oh, they have to rebuild. The aging curve is finally caught up. Um, you know, you can't beat time. It's a great equalizer. It happens to everybody. But as long as Ovechkin's there, they are going to keep chasing. We have races in the East. We have races in the West. It seems as if we have big games every single day with some playoff chase ramifications. Uh, so let's get to it. Welcome to the Merrick Show. Elliot Friedman on the other side. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We've got Dallas-Nashville tonight. That's a uh, beauty. We've got the Florida Panthers and the Buffalo Sabres. Are the Sabres back in this thing? They might just be. And then we have the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames facing off against each other on Scotiabank Wednesday night. Hockey say, come on, en français, as we say in French, c'est magnifique. Uh, Shane Willis coming up at the bottom of the hour to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes. Kelly Rudy in hour two and Bruce Cassidy doing this on a game day. Thanks so much, coach. Uh, head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights will face off against the Minnesota Wild later on this evening. In the meantime, from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada, the one and only Elliot Friedman. Hello, Fridge. How are you? I just went from listening to you on the podcast to listening to you on the radio station. It's very surreal. Like mid-sentence. Do I feel like your work spouse more and more? And more? Who do you talk to more, Elliot? Me or Steph? Unfortunately, you. <laughs> I'm not as good looking and I'm not as interesting. You have chosen very poorly, Elliot. You have chosen very <laughs> poorly. Um, you know, I just mentioned the Washington Capitals a couple of seconds ago, and I, I don't know if you got the same sense that I did watching that Rangers game and watching everyone chase Barkley Goodrow around the ice and Ovechkin is livid and all oh, he got a good lick in on Goodrow as well. And you look at the bench and you look at the coaching staff and you look at the fans and you kind of get the feeling that like everybody is frustrated, like really intensely bred in the bone frustrated. Um, how do you look at the Washington Capitals right now and what could be facing them in the off season? Well, look, I, I think we know, look, they're not used to this, you know, being out of the playoffs, this is, not something that they're used to. Um, and you've talked about this ad nauseum. When they extended Ovechkin and they extended Backstrom, it, did, it meant there was no rebuild coming. Like, as long as those guys were playing, they were going to go for it. Yeah. And then this year comes up, 
and we are where we are. So there's there's a, there's a certain amount of frustration. There's no question about that. And also they've they've kind of begun the teardown. You know they 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 traded their first rounder. Or I actually sorry I shouldn't say they've kind of been a teardown. I don't think that's the fair way to say it. They've be, they, they've begun changing around their look. Um, Sandine's in, Orlov's gone, things like that. And they're going to have some flexibility to do things this summer. I think this. So, look, like this. I think the biggest question is, what are the big changes that are coming? Is there a coaching change coming? Is there a um, is is Kuznetsov going to be part of the team, or does he go somewhere else? Who else do they move on from there? Like, we're, what we're going to see is a reload from the Capitals this summer. I, I I agree with you. I don't see them going into a complete rebuild. But I do see them trying some things, Jeff, and trying to see what's out there that they can come back from and contend right now. But that's then. Right now, it's just the frustration of make of miss, and it's it, it's boiling over. Like you know, Jeff, look at the way some of these teams are going right now. Um, you know, we talked on the pod about the sh- the show Bedard put on this weekend. It's a reminder that if there's yeah. ever a year to tank, it's this year. Look at look at what's going on. Like look at the way some of these teams are losing. They do not like some of these. You can't tell the players to lose, but you can dress rosters that make it really difficult to win. And you know the Capitals have yeah. nothing to play for, and it's it's frustrating. I, I I see I see the same thing that's happening with them that's happening with other teams out there. You know, there have been some some key injuries around the NHL this season, whether it's Sean Couturier with the Philadelphia Flyers, whether it's Gabriel Landeskog with the Colorado Avalanche, whether it's um, Mark Stone with the Vegas Golden Knights, Matthew Barzell with the New York Islanders. You know, when we consider what's happened to the uh, the Washington Capitals this year, I think we could make the argument that maybe the most devastating yes. injury any team has sustained is John Carlson being out of the Washington Capitals lineup. Those other injuries are big, and they significantly impacted those teams. I don't know if there's a bigger injury in the league this season than John Carlson. Elliot, agree or disagree? I agree. I, I think that's very fair. And, you know, the other thing that's kind of interesting about that is that I think I wrote it in one of my notes. Like someone was saying to me that, you know who should win the Norris this year? And I said, who? And he goes, John Carlson. <laughs> and I go, that's pretty funny. Yeah. And he goes, no, I'm serious. <laughs> like, uh, like this year's Norris vote is, is, is very complicated. I, I think it's, uh, I, I mean, Carlson's having a historic season and I, I think that's, yep. you know, very legit. Um, but, you know, I, I know there are people who are struggling with their vote because they look at it like that team's one of the like a couple of years ago Fox became the first player to win the Norris on a non-playoff team, but so that kind yep. of opened up the door a little bit. But this San Jose team is so far out. I know people have some people have an issue with that. Also. For the, the great year Carlson's had, he's also been on the ice for a lot of goals against. And I know there's people who have really difficult time reconciling that, too. So, you know, there's there's a lot of other names out there. I mean, 
there's a lot of choices this year, but I but and it's kind of warped in a in a in a 21st century North American way. But I agree with you. I think the injury to Carlson has only improved his value and shown how good he is. Absolutely. You know, one of those other players, even though, you know, his team has now been officially eliminated. If you look at Eric Carlson and the Norris, we should also look at Quinn Hughes um, and the uh, and the Norris Trophy, 73 points as well. One of the best defensemen uh, in the entire NHL. And now it is officially over for the Vancouver Canucks. I want to get to St. Louis, who were, were bumped as well on the weekend. But listen, we've talked, man, how much oxygen have we used talking about the Vancouver Canucks this year? A lot. Um, but a lot of it is deserved, and it's been a newsmaking team. What happens now? They've been officially eliminated. There's been, you know, nonstop drama around the organization all season. What happens now that they've been officially eliminated and the eyes now turn to things like the draft and next season? Well, obviously, I mean, the lottery. Um uh, you know, we'll see what, well, like somebody's history, somebody's future is really going to be set in a positive direction on May the 8th. So yep. there's that. Um, you know, I think there's a couple other things here. Um, number one, I, I think they're going to continue searching for a third line center. I, I know that's something they really want is uh, when I was out there for the, uh, for the telethon, you know, I had a chance to talk to a couple people. You know, I, I really got the impression that third line center was a big deal. Can they find one? Um, you know, how how can they go about doing that? I, I think that's going to be a big one for them. Um, you know, obviously, I think Pedersen's contract, uh, to getting him signed to an extension, that's going to be a huge. He's a hundred point player. That's going to be a huge priority for them. Um, you know, I I think they'll continue to like. It's interesting. Like they they've brought in a couple of young players now. McDonough, Hirose, um, I, I'd be really curious to see, you know, where they see those players fit mm-hmm. for next season. But I really do think that the two big priorities, Jeff, are going to be Pedersen's extension and finding a third-line center. I, I, I really think those are going to be big, big priorities for that. What about the St. Louis Blues? Uh, they get eliminated officially after that tough loss against the Boston Bruins yesterday. Um, when we've already seen them start to turn this team over and Tarasenko's out and Ryan O'Reilly is out and we'll see what they end up doing with their, their, their back end. Um, you know, they have a, an emerging goaltender in, in Joel Hofer. We'll see what the future is for Jordan Bennington. Do you get a sense of where St. Louis is at right now? Like, do they continue to strip this thing down or do they say, hold on a second, we have enough pieces in place that we can spin right back and go for it next year? Well, I never thought the Blues were going to be a strip-it-down team. I I just don't think that that's what they feel they want to do organizationally. I don't think that Doug Armstrong is is that kind of a guy. I, I think it was always about what can we turn around quickly. I mean, I, I think one of the things here, Jeff, is just like I was wondering if there was any chance that they were going to bring Ryan O'Reilly back in the summer. You know, they bring in Kapanen, they bring in, um, you know, they bring in Verana. I, I don't know if they're going to have the flexibility to do that again. So yep. that was one of the questions I had. I still think they will look to make a move on their blue line. You know, they made it very clear that their defensemen were available and they're willing to consider some things. That didn't happen, but it doesn't mean it still can't happen in the off season. Like we know they're aggressive. I don't think a long rebuild is what they're interested in, and I don't think they're done. Um, 
you know, I, I, I wouldn't be like, like there's some teams I'm looking at this summer. You mentioned Washington. I think, I think they're going to be a really fascinating team this summer. I don't know if I would put St. Louis on that level, but I don't get the sense the Blues are done. I, I think they have another move or two left in them. Yeah, I don't. I don't see them stripping this thing down. I, I think that if anything, they'll you know they'll start to move in other uh, other players in significant roles. Um, you know, I think a player like Jake Neighbors will end up taking a more prominent role. I already mentioned Joel Hofer as well. We're all gonna you know, cross our fingers and help that you know, hope that Scott Perunovich um, can stay healthy. Uh, for an entire season, and they'll see what they have uh, they have there. Um, you know, one of the other stories that we're kind of following here, and I don't know what you want to say if there is any even anything to say about timelines uh, at this point, to say nothing of, you know, are, are NDAs really enforceable in this situation? Uh, what do we, what can we expect this week out of Ottawa with the uh, the impending sale? It was another, you know, big week for Ryan Reynolds uh, and his group, uh, Remington, uh, with the Brady family. What do you look for, if anything, this week from Ottawa? Well, I, I know there were some there were some people who thought, like a little bit ago, that they thought there was a chance that bids would be due today, and that's obviously not happening. And someone said to me that they thought bids might be due at the end of the week. And, you know, I, I don't think that's going to happen. As I said on the pods, I, I'm beginning to think timelines don't really mean anything here. This isn't like... Uh, like a university where if you didn't get your assignment in on time, you got a zero. I don't, I don't think these rules apply to the sale of the Ottawa senators. Um, you know, I, I think the Reynolds momentum is, is, is a very real thing. I'm, I'm not exactly a genius for saying that. I think we can all see kind of where this is going. I, I think the interesting one is Jeff is like, as far as like you know, Bettman said, it's approximately six groups. I'm just wondering how long that can last. I, I know there's there's some groups here who think there might be some consolidation, like some groups might join others um, and, and and meet with them. Um, I think that that's possible. I think some of them might just realize this isn't necessarily going to work for them. I mean, like I, I think the thing here and there's, and I, I absolutely believe that some of the other groups think that if the Reynolds-Remington group is close, that everybody can see that it's going to be very difficult to beat that momentum. Like the NHL obviously loves the way this is going here. Um, I, I think the one that's going to be interesting is, and I don't know how this is all going to go, but I just wonder if there's going to be a group here that takes a number, like right in and says, this is our number. We want to know if it's going to get it done. And I don't know that that's going to happen. But I, 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 one of the big groups was saying last week that they thought that that could potentially happen because, like, there's a lot of negotiation. Like, last week, all the saber-rattling began over all the different pieces of land. And I, I just think people yep. want to know here what's going to be available to them because we're all talking about the hockey team. Where, where's the real money here? It's the, it's the development, right? And I think people want to know what what's going to be available to them. And if they have to pay more for some of those extra pieces of land, what's that number going to be? You know, and, uh, and and you already mentioned Ryan Reynolds there, and I don't know that we've ever seen this before, certainly within the, uh, the purchase, <clears throat> excuse me, the purchase of a Canadian NHL team, a charm offensive 
quite like we're seeing with Ryan Reynolds. Like when you look at like textbook, you know how to, you know how to how to maneuver your uh, maneuver and, and manipulate your popularity into a place where your group ends up getting an NHL team. Like this is kind of a masterclass here. Whether it's yucking it up with the mayor and the tweets with the mayor and you know glad handing in the rink and every time he shows up, it's Ottawa Senators this and Ottawa Senators that. And you end and outline the the marketing strategy. Uh, for Ryan Reynolds, should the the Remington Group end up with the Ottawa Senators? Essentially, what I'm saying, Ellie, I don't know. There's a question attached to it. This charm offensive is nothing short of outstanding and brilliant by Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I, I have to say, if you were to tell me who who be more uh, charming, Ryan Reynolds or the field of pro sports owners, I, I would take Reynolds over the field. I would have to say that. Um, yeah, but you, you know what? Like yeah. I think. Like, like the one thing is, is that if you, like, I think a lot of us have spent a lot of time reading a bit more about him and some of the investments he's made. And I think the the one thing about it is, like, when, when he got in, I think he was seen as a lot of, um, whether they're athletes or actors or influencers or whatever you want to call people that get into this, they're kind of seen as silent partners. They just put their money in and hope to get the money out and, uh, make a profit and they don't yeah. they aren't really seen but he's he's basically proven for a long time uh jeff that he's not like that but he wants to be involved he has creative ideas he's very good at, at marketing and you know one of the things that i i saw somewhere about a week or two ago that he scores uh very highly on you know consumer sincerity indexes like um you know they're, they're like there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, people who, for example, did crypto and now, you know, like it didn't do very well in some cases. Some of them are getting sued. Like Reynolds is very careful about what he associates with. and He's very authentic in the way he promotes it, at least in the eyes of the public. Yeah. So like what he's doing right now, Jeff, I don't think it surprises people who've really paid attention to him. Yeah, not at all. Um, coming up in hour two, I'm going to talk to Bruce Cassidy, head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, they're playing the Minnesota Wild again. They shut them down on the weekend, 4-1. to one. And the star of the game, and we've talked a lot about goaltenders coming in to save seasons. Um, how, about, how about Laurent Boissois? For the, Ve- for the Vegas Golden Knights, and you and I have talked about this before. Whenever I hear anyone coming off hip surgery, I usually take the following season, crumple that piece of paper up, and throw it away. That's the mulligan year because overcoming hip surgery is something that I wouldn't, wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. And here's Laurent Boissois shutting down, you know, the Minnesota Wild. Marc-Andre Fleury returns, supposed to be his big night. And Boissois flatly was the better netminder. You have a thought on Vegas right now, the top team in the West. I'm looking forward to the rematch tonight. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be, I, I, think, I'm, I thought it was a fun game to watch. It was Saturday, so I couldn't really watch it closely, but it looked like a really fun game. I'm looking forward to the rematch tonight. You know, the thing about Brassois is, it, as you said, it was a really long road back. And, um, yeah. you know, he, at the beginning, when he first went back to the AHL this year, Jeff, his numbers were awful. Like, he got lit up in a couple of games. And I remember someone telling me, like, patient, patient, patient. It's like a car that you haven't tried to start for a while. It's going to sputter for a little bit. And, you know, like, again, 
you know, Sean Burke there, um, you know, he, first of all, Brasso is a good goalie. Secondly, Burke is a great coach. Like, look at what's happened uh, out there. Like, again, like they're, they're, they're down on goalies. We don't know if Hill's going to play this year. Thompson's battling something, obviously. Yeah. Like, they're, they're down to their, their third and fourth and fifth guys again. And they're stabilizing and even quick. Like, you know, he's stabilized quick too. Like, this is a great coach who creates an environment where his goalies can be successful. And all credit to Brassois, who clearly did the work. And I just remember when his mm-hmm. when he started out very poorly, people just said patience. And he's those people have proven to be right. You know, two goalie coaches. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Sean Burke. Two goalie coaches that I don't think get enough um, by way of accolades: Sean Burke and also Jeff Reese. I think yeah. Reese is another one that probably doesn't doesn't get the uh, the. I mean, he does. A lot of these guys are the are, are the guys that don't promote themselves um, very yeah. much, and they go about their business quietly, and they produce results, and and you see it night in and after that. I just Sean Burke and Jeff Reese, I think, are two of the more outstanding uh, goalie. Well, coaches you're a guy who believes there should be goalie coaches in the Hall of Fame, right? I do. Ab- absolutely don't don't you yeah. like I, I look at yeah i mean when you when you like, look at look at uh, look at francois allaire like I look agree. at how francois allaire has through you know, through you know clients like patrick Waugh, completely changed the way that position has been played like mm-hmm. go in as a builder whatever like i don't know that there's one position in hockey that's evolved and changed now, i got kelly rudy in the second hour. i'm gonna ask kelly about this um i don't know if there's one position that's changed as much as netmiter and i think a lot of that is because of people like francois Allaire and francois Allaire yep. specifically who in a lot of ways really got this ball rolling i would yep. i would stump for francois Allaire all day long for the hall of fame for each i don't disagree with you I, you come up with a lot of stupid ideas but this is not one of them <laughs> how'd you like my idea about two guys shooting at the same puck we almost saw it oh my god oh my god hey a uh, couple nerdetry. seconds left with you um the, i know welcome to it point you know, pushes up glasses here um your thoughts on the race in the west and your thoughts on the race in the east we thought it was going to be three in the east maybe now the buffalo sabers pardon the pun doing some saber rattling they may be in this thing as well and this is a big one tonight for nashville against dallas what do you make of the race to get into the playoffs winnipeg um calgary and now i I, I don't want to i don't want to shove away the nashville predators here but how do you see the west how do you see the east right now for those wild card spots well, it's a, you shouldn't shove away Nashville because they're in it, but it's a huge game for them tonight. This is their game in hand, and they got to take advantage of it, uh, even though it's a hard one. I, I give full credit to Winnipeg. They looked like the Titanic last week. And not only did they win two that they had to have on the weekend, they won them big. They, they blew out Detroit, and they blew out the, the Devils. They never gave the Devils a chance. And I, I think full credit yeah. to them because they looked like they were, they were spinning way out of control. Calgary again. They also took care of business. Like they didn't. They didn't make it as easy on themselves as as Winnipeg did. I mean, that game last night. We were watching it as we were recording the the podcast after the Toronto game, Jeff. And I mean, and like Anaheim, a night after getting absolutely embarrassed in Edmonton, gave Calgary everything it could handle. And I mean, the Flames. Look, everything that goes wrong for them happened last night. They gave up a goal in the first shot. They fell behind early. They blew leads, yeah. um, and they they and all of a sudden, for the first time all year, they have 
not only one comeback win in the third period, they have two. Like the Flames were resilient last night. There was there was a lot of things that could have gone really terribly wrong for them, and they found a way. And uh, like you said, I'm really excited for the group that works on Wednesday because obviously the Flames have to take care of business tomorrow against Chicago, but that game on Wednesday is going to be a massive game. And I always I, I I won't be there, which should make the broadcast even better. But it's there's never a bigger <laughs> feeling than when you're working a huge game that has these kinds of implications. How do you, here here's the magic question. Here's the the hot potato. How do you handle the goaltenders this week if you're Daryl Sutter? Yeah, I uh, you know what I I think uh, like I did think like I looked at it last night. I don't know. I mean, I, I was. I don't know I either. Probably, <laughs> I would I would probably start Vladar tomorrow in Chicago and then decide. Yeah. See how much work he gets, then make your decision on the Winnipeg game, or if you just go Markstrom again. No, is it the, uh, is it the short you know what? I, don't know. I I, I got to tell you something. You're paying like like I, I get so torn on this. Number one, you have to pay the guy. You have to play the guy who thinks gives you the best chance to win. Okay. I don't care how much money these guys are making. You you play the guy who gives you the best chance to win. I I don't think you can play Markstrom back to back. So then, to me, you're picking one, and yep. that's when I say this is the guy who's he's just played a whole bunch of games in a row. You very clearly established he's your number one guy for better or for worse. I'm playing him Wednesday. And especially after Vladar found a way to win that game last night, uh, I'm playing him tomorrow. I just, I just don't think you could play Markstrom back to back. I, I don't think it sets you up for success yeah. here. You saw the Islanders, right, going with uh, Sorokin back to back. Well, he got the, uh, pulled. Tampa, Carolina. He, he did get pulled in the one game, the Tampa game. So that kind of gave it a little bit of a window. Um, the other thing that one yeah. was that was a that, like, that wasn't exactly a long a long back-to-back like i mean you know you you know i, I don't I, I like that wasn't exactly tough travel between those two games i understood that one gotcha uh we're out of time uh always good uh, enjoy the rest of your day and we will catch up tomorrow all right buddy take care there he is elliot friedman from 32 thoughts and hockey night in canada